0: Welcome to Voices of Care, the podcast series from Newcross Healthcare that seeks to get to the heart of the issues facing the health and social care sector by speaking to leaders about how we can enable the healthcare workforce of the future. I'm Sahel Mirza. Social care is one of the most important segments of our economy, employing over 1.6 million people. However, its workforce and the sector itself has been described as in a profound crisis. It's therefore really important to understand the drivers affecting the social care workforce, and there's no one better qualified than my guest today to explain that. Ona Smith, the CEO, of skills for care thank you so much for joining us it's a privilege to have you here and thank you for your time
1: thank you for inviting me
0: oh no as you're aware many commentators while lauding the importance of social care and its contribution are highlighting the fact that it's in a profound crisis the report that you produced last year highlights 165,000 vacancies and a shrinking workforce would you describe social care and its workforce as in a period of crisis or profound challenge
1: We know that social care is a fundamental part of our community infrastructure and it's a fundamental part of all of our lives. And I think up until now that hasn't really been appreciated or understood. It supports people every single day to live the lives that they choose. We have a massive opportunity, I think, to position social care in the way that it needs to be positioned. But at the minute, looking at workforce, we don't have enough people working in social care today. So 165,000 vacancies uh, every day. Our report talked about up until March last year. We're going to need significantly more in the future, Uh, and we've got a turnover rate that's much too high. And so, if we really want to make sure that social care is uh, in the best place that it possibly can be for all of our benefits, uh, then we need to be making sure that we have the workforce in the numbers that we need uh, with the skills and values and behaviours that we need. And that has to be the the focus, uh, or people who draw on care and support just will not be able to live the lives that they choose.
0: And the turnover rate's interesting. The report talked around the starter rate falling, um, the uh, rate in terms of turnover around at 29%. I know there's not a single factor, pay, terms and conditions, training. Can you sort of reveal a little bit more about what the report highlighted in terms of these uh, various factors that affect this workforce, shrinkage and the high turnover?
1: So our report gathers data from about 650,000 individuals working in social care, so about half of the workforce. And we've been gathering that information for the last uh, decade. And so that allows us to see the trends in things like turnover and vacancy rates. And we've had incredibly high turnover in social care for many, many years. But we know that while about 29% of people will leave in year, two thirds of those are moving around the sector. So they still remain in social care. Uh, and that's really important for us to know think about because while they still remain in social care there's a there's a cost associated uh, with that but for the first time since we've been gathering that information we saw the workforce shrink last year so while demand is growing we're going to need more people we actually had a three percent reduction in the total number of people working in social care and that would be a worrying trend if we saw that uh, continue we also saw a similar level of turnover but a much lower level of new starters so a seven percent reduction in new people starting and that gives us a sense then, if we really want to focus on this in the future, where we need to be putting our attention. So we we need to make sure that we've got enough people starting in social care. But I always call it the leaky bucket effect. There's no point in doing that if we continue to lose the number of people that we that we lose. And we know from our data uh, and from our predictive analysis, what are the key things that we need to do to keep people. And I can talk about that at some stage if that's, if that's helpful. We have a really good sense of what we need to do. And so we need to focus on both of those areas getting new people in and keeping them just
0: uh, turning the dial a little bit in looking at an international perspective um I know that you've attended a number of conferences internationally looking at this uh, phenomenon and recruitment and retention in social care uh, is not a challenge which is unique uh, to the British uh, economy. Uh, It's a a global issue.
1: Yeah, uh, if you look across all of the OECD countries, every single country is having this conversation. How do we get more people working in social care? How do we keep them? How do we think about new roles that are needed? How do we work across health and social care? Other countries have been trying uh, different things over the last number of years and they're starting to show success uh, so countries like Norway Japan Denmark are, are trying some some really interesting things and they we are seeing some of the um, some of the statistics then shift for them but everybody or many countries are dealing with the fact that we're going to need more people working in social care because people are living longer but not necessarily living healthier so we're certainly not unique in that
0: now as you said it's a number of factors I'm going to just briefly talk about pay because obviously we the report highlighted a reduction in real terms uh, 1.5 percent in contradistinction to increases in real terms for the previous decade so that remains a big lever in terms of the broader need for the sector to be properly funded
1: It's an issue about BS pay, absolutely. There's also a real issue with differentials. So if you work in social care for over five years, you might work in social care for 25 years, and you will be paid on average seven pence more than somebody who's walked into a role that day. And so we really have to think about how we're rewarding people as they gather and develop their experience. We know that pay has an impact on turnover, and we know that it'll have an impact in terms of who comes into social care. The biggest factor influencing whether people come into social care and not as the local labour market. And so the more and more that we can do to break the sensitivities between social care and the local labour market, the better. That might mean pay, often means pay. Uh, It often means uh, focusing on the terms and conditions. What are the things that social care can do that other sectors can't? That's flexibility uh, we can offer, but also the real value of the role. Uh, So even though social care is very low paid, people stay in social care longer than they stay in other low paid roles. And why is that? Well, it's because they find the role really satisfying And so there are things that we can do to differentiate ourselves from other sectors. But in the long term, in terms of uh, when we think about our workforce strategy, we have to look at value and we have to look at pay.
0: And that bigger picture, uh, if we can now just turn to the social care sector from a wider lens, it employs over 1.6 million people, plays a huge part, massive contribution uh, to the economy. It's now in the press, but it's long been associated with what people perceive to be low-value, low-skilled, and yet we're moving into an environment where more complex care is delivered within the social care context. Can you, can you give us a bit of a big picture in terms of this contribution social care makes and the workforce makes to the wider economy and indeed society?
1: So social care adds about 51 billion to the English economy every year and that's not the narrative that we hear. We hear that social care is a net drain on society and a net drain on the economy and that's certainly not the case and the reason that becomes even more important is that social care isn't focused on uh, one particular region of England. It is in every single street and every single community and so it's adding to the economy in every single street in every single community and that's incredibly important as we think both about the economic impact but also the community impact. Because we know if you look at the, uh, the states, they're talking about social care as part of community infrastructure. And that's how we need to be talking and thinking about social care. We also need to uh, talk more about the strengths of social care sometimes we can hear in the press particularly a narrative that social care uh, you know this bed blocking and that uh, social care is only seen as successful through the lens of health and actually social care is a lot to teach as well as a lot to learn and uh, we need to talk m- much more about what what does social care do in terms of people's lives in terms of prevention personalization and what can we support other sectors to think about that we do really really well and and these are highly skilled roles. You know, social care staff are doing things that district nurses used to do 10 years ago. And that's because people's lives and people's needs are getting much more complex. And we have much higher expectations of our social care staff than people value or recognise.
0: And I think the picture you've painted there is one of transformation in terms of the clinical delivery of services. And it's fundamentally about uh, giving social care the parity of esteem with the nhs because we often hear the narrative well actually without social care the nhs can't function but we need to look at social care alone are we seeing that advocacy are you beginning to see that i know that you of course have your own vision for a just and fair society are we seeing some uh, indication from the government and policymakers that is beginning to recognise that. We've had a white paper, of course, not that long ago.
1: I think we are seeing, uh, coming out of the pandemic, uh, much more of an appreciation of what social care is, what its role is, what it can do. Uh, I, I think we need much more of that. Uh, I think social care needs to be seen as not just an, an, an escape valve or a, uh, for, for for the NHS. It needs to be seen in terms of the strengths that it offers and what it does um, and what value we add. Uh, and And I don't think we're there yet. I still don't think the public really understand what we mean when we Mm. talk about social care. I certainly don't think they understand fully the support that social care provides to working age adults. I think providing support to older people is probably better understood. People with a learning disability, uh, young adults with with physical disabilities or mental health issues, I don't think social care is really understood uh, in in terms of the the breadth and the diversity of things that that it does. And I don't think it's valued uh, in in the same way in the public consciousness. And that then trickles down in terms of our young people where they think uh, that they want to work. I spoke to somebody quite recently who was saying, don't you think that in social care, the public do understand and value uh, social care much more than they used to? And my question back was, are you talking to your grandchildren about coming to work in, in social care? And she said, uh, no, I'm talking to them about working in health. Uh, and, and so there's still that, that mismatch, I think. And social care has a bigger workforce than the NHS and the opportunities that exist in social care are broad uh, and I don't think that's fully understood.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and quite a lot of work to do there. I want to broaden the discussion to one of your strategic objectives is supporting the uh, capacity and capability of the social care workforce. Uh, New Cross uh, Healthcare has its own mission as a learning partner for life to provide free uh, training and education for anyone who enters uh, social care and health. And I think the stats are clear from the report, your report, uh, that those employers that place learning and development high on the agenda will have better outcomes in terms of lower turnover, for example. Can we sort of expand upon how important learning and development is presently and also with the idea that there's going to be newer roles, of course, for social care to fulfil?
1: So we know that learning and development is important in in and of itself so that we have staff with the right skills and the right knowledge and the confidence. But we also know that it has a huge impact on whether people stay in in an organisation. So if you train somebody, they stay. The more you train them, the more likely they are to stay. So if somebody has one incidence of training, uh, they have reduced turnover. If they have more than 30 incidents, there's 10% lower turnover. And so that really gives us a sense of what where it is that we need to be focusing on when we're thinking about retention particularly. As part of the white paper, there, uh, the government has committed to supporting uh, what they're calling targeted upskilling, which is uh, both looking at, at the, no- the knowledge and skills and competencies that are needed in social care, trying to make that much clearer, trying to make career pathways much clearer, and investing money in learning and development as part of that competency framework. And that's going to be a really important part of the infrastructure that we need for the future. And a lot of other countries, particularly OECD countries, already have that place a really clear career career pathway and development um, and investment in that in that development and that really has to be part of the future because skills are changing roles are changing the complexity the interaction between health and social care is changing but also our expectation as citizens are, are changing and our expectations on social care are changing and we've got to be ready and agile enough to be building those skills that we need for the future
0: Absolutely. And you've produced a document relatively recently with, uh, in conjunction with Health Education England about the importance of workforce collaboration. And part of that will, of course, be digital enablement for the workforce.
1: Yes, absolutely. We know that there's a a, a huge amount of reform in the digital space, digital care pathways um, and a a real desire to digitise more of social care. But we also know that uh, social care is so uh, relational and so people-based. And so we need to make sure that the people that are working in social care have the skills, but also really importantly, the confidence to be able to use those tools. We've all been through digital projects that uh, have the, the absolute best of technology and the best tools but the workforce don't feel confident enough to use them and so we're doing a lot of work uh, with the department for health and social care digital social care other partners uh, looking at how we are supporting the digitization of social care through the, the workforce how we're um, supporting skills how we're championing the social care uh, digital development but also really importantly how we're building digital leaders in social mm-hmm. care because making decisions around where to invest in digital and having that that confidence can be quite um, intimidating if you do, if you haven't done it before. And so uh, the, I think that's going to be, have to be a continued area of, of focus if we're hoping to, um, to, to move to a different place in terms of our digital enablement.
0: That's a vision for the future. Staying in the present at the moment, um, the uh, LGA and the Association of Directors of Adult Social Services and Skills for Care um, at the time of the White Paper shared a vision about what social care workforce should look like. It talked about the importance of wellbeing and... And diversity. Now, I know this is a strategic objective that you have. Uh, social care workforce, I think, is 82% female. There's uh, almost a quarter, 23% from BAME background. So just touching on both those aspects, well-being and diversity, they are fundamental to allowing the current workforce to flourish.
1: Absolutely. And it's uh, one of our strategic priorities, as you say, is culture um, and well-being and inclusion. And that came from the consultation that we did as part of our strategy. It came back so so clearly it's also represented in our data that one of the biggest indicators in terms of whether people come into the workforce and whether they stay isn't what the organisation is, it's what it does and how it does it. So that's about culture, uh, it's about um, autonomy of decision making, it's about valuing people, it's often about saying thank you and so uh, thinking about what an organisation can do to make sure that people are really feeling valued and developed is is incredibly important. And then if we look at the demographics in in social care, 82% of the workforce are are female as, as you say um, if we really want to be increasing capacity in social care we have limited options Uh, we can keep attracting the same demographic as we have now, and that's wonderful, but we don't have enough of them. So that's often older women, people with caring responsibilities previously, people with a health and social care qualification. We can try to attract new demographics like men um, or younger people who we can attract, but we don't often keep. Um, We can recruit from abroad or we can radically change terms and conditions. And the reality is we're going to have to probably do a combination of some of those Um, but thinking about the the makeup of roles in social care who we're getting into those roles and how we increase capacity is going to be even more important in in the future and there's some really interesting things happening internationally uh, in terms of that Um, particularly in Norway where they've got a program uh, specifically focused on recruiting more men Um, and then when we look at the ethnic diversity of our workforce we've got a really diverse workforce. Uh, so almost a quarter um, from Black, Asian or minority ethnic backgrounds, but that doesn't translate into leadership roles. Mm. And so we are doing quite a lot of work uh, in that space. So support, our Moving Up programme supports um, minority ethnic um, members of the workforce who want to progress. And it's a it's quite an intense development uh, programme. But we are also, we've also just finished the pilot on the workforce race equality standards in social care with 18 Local authorities and you probably know that that's the the res is um, available in in health and gives really rich data to help um, trusts think about where they need to improve um, and we need something similar in social care because part of the issue is we don't have visibility of the experience of our diverse workforce uh, and in order to be able to make sure that people are welcome they're getting the, commo- the the promotion they're getting the development that they that they want we need that transparency of data
0: And that, I guess, also uh, allows you to understand the lived experience of the people receiving social care and also to draw on all the uh, varied elements of our society and the background to attract them to the very sector that we're promoting.
1: Well, I, my dream is that social care is known as the most inclusive place to work uh, and, and sector to work in and the absolute best place to work. Uh, and, and I think we we have that in us. You know, we already have um, a, a, an extremely diverse sector. And, and and I think the next focus has to be on the experience of, of people working in social care. And then we need to have that as a badge. We are the most inclusive um, place to work. come and work for us. And, and I just think that could be so powerful.
0: Uh, it's a breathtaking vision. And I guess part of that now and in the future is the 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 ground upon which this is going to bear fruit in other words the importance of a compassionate culture and compassionate leadership I know that's something that you're very passionate about in terms of discussing and promoting
1: Yes absolutely we uh, one of our Partners or subsidiaries is Afina Organisational Development Um, and they work quite closely with and we work quite closely with Michael West who has written a fantastic book uh, on compassionate leadership and he works in health and social care and all of the evidence and all of the research suggests that uh, compassionate leadership is how we um, keep and develop people, how we make sure that we're delivering really good um, services and really good support and we are doing a an internal um, program at the minute on compassionate leadership within skills for care for all of our managers. Um, And we offer that program externally as well. And it's often seen as a a bit fluffy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you know, compassionate, it's it's everybody being nice to each other. It's a really, really brave way to lead. It means having honest conversations, having them early. Uh, It means really trying to um, empathize, um, but also, and this is a bit that I don't think we're always good at in social care. It's thinking about self-compassion, uh, and thinking about yourself and we know that leadership and social care particularly with our registered managers that is the key to whether we provide really good services to whether people come into social care and whether they stay and our managers are often tell us that they are so busy and um, that they don't get to focus on on self-compassion and focus on themselves and I think we've got to talk more about how we support managers to to do that.
0: I think Professor West's work has been seminal for the whole of the sector, as you say. And I guess it also allows that sense of compassion for self, but also allows us to see the world through the eyes of the people who are living that every day. So it's it, it's a wonderful uh, vision. Uh, I wanna finally wrap up by looking at the, a bigger picture into the future. We have a workforce in social care, I think according to report average age of around 45, nearly three in 10, 28% are aged 55 or over. And all the stats are showing that we're gonna need 480,000 more workers in social care in about the next 10 years or so, 2035. We're going to lose quite a few people, likely, because of the ageing population uh, of, the, of the workforce. How important is it going to be to really advocate and move forward in terms of promoting the sector in having enough people coming to work for us? And the importance of workforce planning and a strategy. We've heard a lot about that for the NHS, less for social care.
1: So we're expecting the NHS workforce strategy in the next few weeks. Uh, we've been told that's going to come in the springtime. We need the same for social care. We need a, a social care workforce strategy which sets out the choices that we're going to to make because we do have choices, e- even the four choices around how we get more people in. And so it's really important that we have those uh, that national conversation, those those national choices that are made and that that is then translated into, into workforce planning, regular workforce planning. We know that at a system level, the ICBs are responsible for workforce planning across health and social care. Uh, And so that will be really helpful to see that at a system level. But whereas in health, they're going to have those national priorities coming from the NHS workforce plan, they won't have the equivalent um, from social care. And I think that's going to be even more important. We don't have enough people now. We're going to need even more people in the future. And we're going to need different skills. And we've got to make sure that we are thinking about the workforce. We need in 10 years time, 15 years time uh, or we will find that we just don't have enough people or we don't have enough enough skills and that will impact on people's lives
0: and in terms of the advocacy for a workforce uh, strategy um, are you seeing that progress the idea the very idea that it's it's so needed in social care
1: I think we've seen with the white paper, people at the heart of care, the first steps of that, Mm. which is uh, choosing to focus on investing in the professionalisation and development and and learning and development of of the workforce and putting in place some of that infrastructure. So I think that's that's a really helpful first step.
0: And in terms of the idea that we will see proper funding, a proper environment, I want to touch finally on the vision and um, hope, I guess, of integrated care systems. They do offer a system level approach to workforce, cutting across boundaries, health and social care. Are you beginning to see the uh, nascent collaboration across those silos? Because they have been silos for so long.
1: I think like everything in social care I'm going to say it's variable. I think in some cases we're seeing really good conversations, we can only legislate for so much, this is about relationships, it's about trust and where those relationships existed previously we're definitely starting to see those bear fruit Uh, but it's not consistent across all ICSs and in some ways given the the context in terms of health that's understandable. Um, I do think that the it, the more conversations that we have across those systems the more that understanding builds and the more the potential builds i we are involved in about 75% of icss at the people board level supporting on on workforce and workforce strategy uh, and i think it's 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 quite early days um, but i'm i'm really hopeful and we definitely are seeing some of those green shoots in some in some systems
0: well, on that hopeful note, uh, I'd like to thank you, Ona Smith, for your time and for your wisdom. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Voices of Care, please like, follow, or subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. And if you want to find out more about what we are doing to enable the healthcare workforce of the future, please visit newcrosshealthcare.com forward slash Voices of Care. In the meantime, I'm Sahil Mirza. Thank you and goodbye.